Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast. The show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. Hey, Erica, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I am so excited to be interviewing you. And, you know, these interviews are so helpful for other moms to hear other stories. So before we delve right into these questions, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are in the context of the D-Cube journey. Yes, I am Erica, like you just said, and thank you for having us and getting the word out to other families and parents as well. I am also an educator and have taught many things from EL to sixth down to third grade. And I'm now a title interventionist for reading and math. And our journey started with our oldest daughter. She loved to sit with you and be read aloud to. She was all about the books until it came to time when it was time to really dive in and start reading on her own. And that's when we really saw some red flags. And as an educator, it was really hard yeah. to help a whole bunch of other kiddos. But my own is it was a totally different puzzle. And mm-hmm. so we tried to fit all of the pieces and figure out what was going on. From the beginning, we started with an audiologist for some auditory processing because that does run in our family. Okay. And so we did get to see Dr. Fire and he had some really good information and she was diagnosed with ground figure auditory processing disorder. Okay. And so with that, there was a whole bunch of accommodations and modifications that we were brought to light. So we tried to always have that in our back pocket and teach her teachers about that. It's not something I think that even as an educator that I knew a lot about definitely helps in the classroom, not just Jade, but all of the other students. Right. Um, So I want to stop you for a second. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Because I know in the special ed world, auditory processing is kind of a hot topic. Some folks don't think it exists. I don't believe it's truly in the DSM. I personally feel like I've seen some processing, auditory processing. I know audiologists support it. I know this is a hot topic. So give us a little bit of background of what ground figure auditory processing is. So for Jade, it was kind of when we talk about like how our brain has all these different pathways, Mm -hmm. she is able to hear everything. Her hearing is 100% fine, actually better than... Most people. (laughs) Got to be careful behind closed doors. What are you saying? (laughs) Absolutely. Like he said, she's a very outdoorsy girl. He would say like, okay, if you're out in nature, what do you notice? Well, she could hear a deer stepping in the woods. Wow. Yards away. And of course, dad and I couldn't hear it. But she'd be like, there's a deer coming. And we always were like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, didn't necessarily believe her, but she was five. Right. But it was a fact. So the way that he kind of explained it to us is in our brain, there's all those pathways and she can hear everything. But there's certain sounds 
that are distractions for her understanding. Okay. And so in the classroom, one of the things that Jade talked about a lot is the hum of the lights and the fans. Oh, wow. The white noise. Yeah. So some kids love those noises. Yeah. But to her, that was a trigger and she could not focus on what was being taught in front of her because of that distraction. That's interesting. It was like caustic to her ears. Yes. So that distraction, of course, then when you're trying to teach letters and sounds in kindergarten and first grade, right? you're not necessarily picking up on all of that. It's just bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. For her left ear processed much better, it was a stop in the right ear. Mm-hmm. So that one would pick up all that white noise. At, I think it was almost 90% of the white noise over what she was. And that's how her brain didn't process what was being said. Wow. So we were noticing a lot of, huh? What? Ah. And we'd have to say, repeat back to me what I just said. Right. To get that coping mechanism. So that just wasn't her automatic go-to to say, huh, or what. Right. And then if somebody said, did you understand what I said? She'd, of course, mm-hmm. say, yeah. <laughs> right. Because that was just her like knee-jerk response. So how old was she when she was diagnosed with ground figure auditory processing? It was right between her sixth and seventh birthday. Okay. We were told she did fine in kindergarten. Now, whether she really truly was doing fine Mm -hmm. or because I was an educator, the teacher didn't want to share the data correctly. She knew that I knew. So it was oftentimes said like, you know, 50th percentile is average. Yes, that's correct. (laughs) And she's at, you know, the 31st percentile or... Oh, well, it was just a bad testing day. It's just one data mm. point. Okay. So okay. That was really frustrating. But then you have to go with, okay, well, maybe it's different in school than it is at home. Right. And so after we did that, her first grade teacher kind of was put the roadblocks on and didn't necessarily believe in what Dr. Fire wanted her to try. Okay. And so we did Hear Coach and Word Target, which is two different apps that teach the brain to phase out that white noise. Okay. And hear what you're supposed to hear. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. And then, of course, as an educator, I'm like, well, with this, oftentimes they have attention issues. So then we went to assessment therapy to check out and did a whole realm of a psychological report just to be sure. And there was a plethora of assessments that she went through. And that's when we learned that she was definitely coping, like her visual IQ was in the 93rd percentile. But when you take a look at where she was with reading and letters and sounds, she knew them until it got individually, Mm -hmm. until it got put into larger words. And because she was so visual, she could memorize any of those sight words because they had done flashcards 150 times. So with the flashcards, she could see it. But as soon as it was down in paper or you took away pictures, she was not able to read. And then... As a parent, then you saw the frustrations coming out because she had worked with this auditory processing all day and mm-hmm. held it together. Once she got home, we got meltdown. The best version of right, it. exactly. She was exhausted too, probably. Exhausted. Wow, this is a different journey from some of the other moms that I've worked with. I mean, your journey is your journey, but I mean, I don't think people realize that audiologists can really play a huge part in deciphering 
what really is the root cause, just like speech language pathologists as well. And, you know, I always take the collaborative approach where it's not just the special educator or you being an educator while your parents are teachers, so they should know or whatever it is. And I love hearing the early stages of where you were. So when did you get that dyslexia diagnosis? When did that come about? <laughs> First grade, you did all of these things. And they tried all of these in- interventions in second grade, third grade. And they were like, oh, she's working really hard, but we're not seeing gains. She's the kiddo that's going to push through. And if she has a relationship with somebody, she's going to do 110% all of the time. Right. And it was like, it's so hard as an educator and a parent to watch her working so hard and not making any gains. So they always say you kind of have that gut feeling like something just right. isn't right at that time. One of the other title interventionists that had worked with her for two, three years also had a dyslexic son. Okay. And so she said, we're going to try something. And that's when they started trying Barton and they started to see bigger gains quicker. And she said, I would probably (laughs) mark my words. She said, there's something in the dyslexia spectrum where she's going to fall. Because she said, we've done all of these different interventions. We've tried all of this stuff. Right. And not that they didn't help because every little thing helps. Sure, sure. It's just not as much as you would hope. And so it was at that time that we had to do a lot of research and reach out. And then we were dealing with <laughs> all of the psychologists. We were dealing mm-hmm. with Dr. Fire. We were dealing with a, another hearing, Dr. Bibedorf. And they just said, here's what you could try. And so we ended up going about two hours away to Haley's Hope. It's a dyslexia nonprofit. Okay. And they go through a plethora of assessments and turned out that, yes, she was a severe dyslexic kiddo. Wow. And so then once we got that diagnosis, then we could go back to the school district. And be like, here you go. Yeah. (laughs) And I know that's a journey within itself. But before you get into that, how did you feel when you finally got that diagnosis? Was it like a sigh of relief? Like, finally? I think it was a sigh of relief, but then there was so much guilt. Okay. Like, yeah. oh, I should have done this sooner because it was four years. Right. So she so was what, like, fourth or fifth grade at this point when she got that? Fourth grade. End of fourth grade, beginning of fifth grade. Right. So you have that guilt and, oh, where would we be? But you can't look at that either. Right. It was like, okay, we have a diagnosis. We have a plan. Let's move forward. Right. And it was really interesting because with all of those things, I actually requested that she be in my classroom for fifth grade. Okay. So she was with me for all of fifth grade. And it was really interesting to see how many gains she made. Okay. But it really strengthened our relationship. I know those of you who are listening, you can't see that I was smiling, but I was smiling because I was like, that could go either way. You know, it could be like, I kind of don't like mom being a teacher or I really like mom being a teacher. So that's awesome. And we had lots of conversations before and said like what she had to do positives of me in the classroom, what were going to be the negatives. And then she had to pitch it to myself and my husband. And then she pitched it to our administrator. And Oh, wow. (laughs) meeting, And here's the reasons why this, we want this because you can request in our school district, um, which teacher you would like. And he granted it. And it was the best learning experience, like things that I would have never known. Like she doesn't like salt lamps on Mm. because they're always like... It makes a sound. Does it make like a weird humming sound or something? 
I don't know if it's just how the salt lab, as it's on, the longer it's on, it starts disintegrating more and more. So there must be something interesting that she didn't like. In the afternoon, I had windows all around me. And most of the class would actually prefer that the lights were off and have that natural light. So I'm sure the lights were a situation. She oftentimes wore her headphones just to tune out any noise that was happening. Right. And we were a busy hallway. So So you learned a lot about her in that educational space, because I do feel like when we send our kids off to school, the teachers spend the most time with our kids. And then, you know, we often get how was your day? We want to hear all about it. And they just don't want to talk about it. So it's like when you were living it with her, you could really see, oh, at this time of the day, she gets really tired or this time of the day, you know, she needs her headphones on. So that was a great opportunity. It was. And it was a great year to teach her to be an advocate for herself. Yeah. So if somebody was clicking their pencil, tapping their pen or their, well, you need to go up to them and say, this is distracting me. I'd appreciate it if you could please stop. Right. Because that whole advocacy piece is so important. Right. Not only at a young age, but as she continues to grow, because I'm not going to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is definitely another podcast episode. I actually have a colleague of mine. I did a IG live video with him and he focuses on college kids accessing college and his son has all three D cubes. And so that was his story talking about getting his son to advocate for himself. And that's now what he does for a living. He's a counselor. So yes, I think the advocacy piece is huge. So let's talk about now that you have this diagnosis, what's going on in the school system? Because you're in Minnesota. So give us the skinny. (laughs) I guess in a nice way, right? (laughs) No, it's okay. (laughs) I think that's the hard part too, is being an educator is people are intimidated by you. Other educators can be intimidated by you because you have the knowledge. It's your kiddo. They don't want to disappoint. So there's a little bit of put the brakes on. But in Minnesota, once we got the diagnosis and we got it in her IEP, I was very specific. She had a wonderful special education teacher for two years. So she had her fifth and sixth grade. She was a wonderful advocate and she made sure to put in every accommodation and modification we were going to need to get through her senior year. But very specific things like she's able to get the notes before class so she can write her own notes on to help it make sense and she can refer back to them. Everything is in Bookshare so that... Mm, That's good. That's really good. She can hear it. She did continue with the Barton system, Norton Gillingham Barton system. Yes. So that's in there that it'll be one-on-one for 30 minutes a day with an educator. Okay. Yes. All of those little things that are going to make a big difference as she continues, but also giving her the option... Like if she needs to leave class to have a test read or have a quiet area, she's going to have to advocate for that because it doesn't say that she must leave. It says if Jade chooses it's in there. And then because I am an educator, I just made it known that I could use my educational email, not only as a parent, but as an educator to contact teachers through that. Oh, okay. That might carry a little bit more weight, do you think? I don't know if it'll carry more weight, but I think it's important that, so you have a lunch break or you have a prep. Mm -hmm. And so if teachers want to send you an email that it's possible you're going to respond that way. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Your personal time. Yes. And they've been great about doing that and having those meetings and all of those things. But I think it's going to, she's one of the first diagnosed dyslexic kiddos in the district. Wow. Okay. 
it's been a bumpy road and it probably will continue to be and not by any fault of anybody. It's just that lack of knowledge. And so I guess, how would you summarize in one word that journey? I mean, because that was a obviously very condensed story, but what word would you use to summarize that journey? I would say we've had to persevere. (laughs) I would definitely agree. And you just shared something that is just wow to me that she's the first kiddo in your school district. To me, that goes to show me where we are as a country and what dyslexia means. This is not new. Didn't come out of the word work five years ago. Each state has their own laws and legislation, but then it boils down to not just state, but then counties or cities or districts. I mean, it's nuts. And that makes it harder for you to get what she needs to be successful. I don't know much about Minnesota laws in terms of dyslexia, but that is just, wow. And Minnesota is a huge state. (laughs) It it, it is. And I think it does fall under the LD category in Minnesota. Okay, so that's what's on the IEP. Yeah. But because it's a medical diagnosis, if you don't have the means to get that medical diagnosis, right, then you have all those roadblocks, which nor here nor there isn't fair. You know, it's what you have to deal with. And we were lucky enough to be able, well, I pushed. Yeah. And <laughs> I was lucky to have support from other people. Right. So it's tough, I think. And I hope that the bumps that we've had to encounter make it easier for someone behind her. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, that leads me to my next question about equity. So those of you who are listening, can you share what is the ethnicity of your child? And do you feel that this has impacted your child's educational journey? Yep. She's a white Minnesotan. (laughs) (laughs) Outlazy Minnesotan who, you know, had we not had the financial ability, we would not have been able to do all of this because even running it through our insurance. Right. We were denied several times and had to have many people, including the previous doctors that she's seen for all these other leading up to right. this point to say like, okay, we have this little piece of the puzzle, but we don't have the full puzzle to right. help her to be successful. And so that's my fears. There's many people in our area that you know, I mean, we can only talk about our journey so much to get that right. word out. And some have gone to Haley's Hope, but at some point financially can't afford, afford it, right? That. And if they don't have it in, because they do do the tutoring services after your diagnosis, you can tutor through them and do okay. Orton Gillingham systems and go through all of that. We were just lucky enough that I pushed it. And I don't know if I hadn't been an educator in our district, if our special services person would have, have no- spent the $10,000 on the site license for her to have wow. the Barton system and everything that comes with it. Yeah. And I was going to say, I've had many people in this space that I've been working in for now 11 years talking about dyslexia. I mean, you really have to have the money. You have to have the resources. And that's really why this podcast exists, because there's so many people who can't afford. You know, I have like my parent and teacher communities and Sometimes $10 a month is too much for some people. And for other people, that's unfathomable, like $10 a month. What do you mean? But I think this is something that I'm so passionate about and so many other people are passionate about that we have to talk about these things. And it doesn't matter if you're in Minnesota or California or another part of the world. These are issues that I love that we can be here on this podcast and share this. And 
$10,000 is a lot of money. And I will say as a certified Orton-Gillingham practitioner myself through the academy, we charge a lot of money for that specific service. And I'm actually starting my certified journey and I'm really excited about it. But I also know it's going to take me a minimum of two years to go through the coursework and the practicum and apply to then get that further certification, which is why it's so expensive because it's not just anybody delivering a service. I mean, it's true intervention and it's tailored to what the child needs. So that is- I think that's the hard part. And that's why I've been such a stickler as a parent. That yeah. This is not just going to be anybody right. right. this intervention for her because- you have to have that background of the science of reading you yes. have to understand the brain and all of the pieces that go along with that. And so Jay might not say she's as lucky because then, of course, since her mom knows that, she's been doing it all summer, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Of course, she won't thank you until later. You know, like that's usually how it is being a parent, right? You're like, gosh, when am I going to get the thank you? <laughs> right. And teenage, you know, is tough. They are very, very tough years, emotional, all of that stuff. Yes. So Erica, let's close out with this final question because you are definitely a dyslexia mom boss and teacher. What advice can you give to other moms out there to level up, to boss up, to be like, here's what I think you should do that will make a difference? Just don't give up on your kiddo or the education system. And if you feel, really have that gut feeling or know that something just isn't right, keep pushing, keep asking questions. Anybody that cares about your kiddo is going to want what's best for them and they will do what they can to help you through the journey. And yes, there's going to be tears and there's going to be guilt and there's going to be all of those things, but believe in yourself, believe in your beliefs. We did lots of praying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Please, please help me find this answer for my kiddo. It wasn't an easy journey. When you see your child hurting and you see odd behaviors that you don't, you know, I mean, she was pulling out the backs of her hair and yeah, that's anxiety, all of those things. And if it weren't for the huge support system that we had outside of the education system and family, friends, don't give up. Yeah. And you know, Erica, honestly, those of you, if this is the first episode you've heard, because I know you've heard all my episodes. I go through like some foundational stuff in the very beginning about the self-regulation. I Actually, you said something that I remember I said in one of my episodes about when our child is hurting, we just go into emotional mode of I've got to help my child. And we may not be thinking in our right brain, our right mind, meaning in that logic brain. And so I encourage moms, if you're really resonating with this episode, to go back and listen to the self-regulation. I mean, it's not funny, but there was an IEP meeting episode where that was a true story. And I literally was like, wow, you know, what could this mom have done if she had more of the self-regulation tools because she was upset? So anyway, I won't spoil any of the previous episodes, but please go back and listen to them because really my purpose was to build the foundation for you to feel like you have the resources. And they're also affirmations I've woven into this show. And I will continue to put affirmations because I truly believe that we need to rid that mom guilt. It sucks. We're always going to have it, but we have to be strong for our kids so they can be strong for themselves. Right. And we talked a lot about going through all of that every night. What was the best part of your day? Yes. Not to focus on the negative. Yes. Have that gratitude. And what was the best part of your day? 
even if she would say something was miserable or hard, okay, but how did you get through it? Right, exactly. How'd you persevere? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is like a large puzzle. That's one little piece that we have put together and there's going to be a lot more and there will continue to be. And we always talk about that reading is going to be hard probably your entire life, but you are so good at so many other other things. things Exactly. Focus on those things and just not get, I mean, they get down on themselves so fast and that's easy for us to fall into that trap as well. Right. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And I honestly think this was such an impactful episode and I'm so grateful for you to be here in this vulnerable position and share your daughter's story and really your family's story. So I want to say thank you so much, Erica, for your time. And this was a really great way to spend my afternoon with you. So thank you. And thank you for getting the word out because after starting to listen to your podcast, it finally was that little sense of relief. Like I'm not alone. Yes. It's happening everywhere. And yes. What can you do to make it better and just don't give up and let your voice be heard in a positive way. In a positive way. I love that. Well, stay tuned for next week's episode, but this was fantastic. So thanks so much, Erica. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.